Hi, uh, welcome to the New Voting Project. My name is Kunal, your host. And today we are very excited to have special guest, a good friend, Devin Murphy, who is uh, Mayor Pro Tem of the city of Pinole here in the Bay Area. Uh, you're someone who has run digital advertising campaigns uh, for then US Senator Kamala Harris, now Vice President. So I guess, you know, we're moving up. Uh, Van Jones, Priorities USA, uh, California League of conservation of voters um, and, and numerous civic organizations. You've also been featured in the LA Times, the Washington Post and USA Today. You're a graduate of, of UCLA, uh, which, which is great. And you also served as student body president there, yes. uh, which, which is fantastic. So thank you so much for taking the time uh, um, today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here and uh, looking forward to a great conversation this morning. That's what we're gonna do. Uh, so let's get started. Just for our viewers, uh, talk a little bit about yourself, your background, how you actually got started, you know, working in the political sphere, um, and detail some of the work that you've done. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Devin T. Murphy. As you said, I'm the mayor pro tem of the city of Pinole. Uh, 28 years old, and I uh, got a lot of life to live. But uh, just a little bit about my background. I actually grew up and I was born and raised in San Francisco, California. Uh, right around the corner from Candlestick Park was where I spent most of my childhood. Um, I did move and eventually move into Contra Costa County, Pinole, where I am now. And then my family um, also moved in Solano County. So I spent some of my teenage years in Vacaville. Uh, upon graduating um, high school, I studied at UCLA, uh, where I did serve as student body president. I majored in African-American studies and minored in public policy. And um, really from that work and from the work I did at UCLA kind of just dug right into the work of electoral politics and of course policy broadly. Um, so as you mentioned before, some of my work has included working for um, the Cut 50, which was an organization to reduce the prison population by 50% by the year 2050 and Van Jones was the founder of that. Um, I've worked also at PR firms and, and, some, communication, and uh, some communication firms, but I also started my own firm called DTM Strategies, which which is a digital marketing and strategic communications firm for the movement. Um, and I did that mainly because of my experience at UCLA and really understanding um, how important right, messaging and framing and building and coalescing and coalition building with people is. Um, and so I wanted to find some type of home base for my own self to do that. And so as the entrepreneur I am, I really dug into creating my own or, uh, company in 2015 um, and kind of have been doing that same work as a consultant for different clients. Um, I spent some time in-house at a lot of places. So you talked about Priorities USA. Um, I led our regional team where we focused digital advertising campaigns to help both elect Democrats, but also to reach out to voters and remind them about the importance of voter registration um, and getting involved in, in their local governments. Um, mostly in the Midwest when I was at Priorities USA. So we worked in states like Indiana and North Dakota and Michigan and Ohio. Um, but I also did um, and have been doing work in democracy reform for a long time. So, you know, of course, as a student at UCLA, I was doing work when it came to voter registration, bringing the hot celebrities to school to like encourage people at UCLA um, to- You can bring the hot celebrities to this channel. That'd be great. <laughs> Um, and I, um, and one of the things I, you know, of course, focused on at Cup 50 was really um, felony disenfranchisement, right? How do folks who have been 
um, incarcerated and maybe have a felony or a record, really, how do we bring them back um, into their civic engagement? And how do we create opportunities and, and you know, omit barriers for them to be a part of our political system? Um, those are the kind of questions and, and policies I was working on at Cut 50. Um, but I also have done a lot of work, again, around just ensuring right here in Contra Costa County where I live, that people are tied into the uh, power of the vote, the power of the ballot. Um, and that means that we, you know, I'm actively engaging in campaigns at the local level to both tell people about issues and candidates that align with them, but also find opportunities to bring the work to them, right, to their own homes. So that means door knocking, that means making phone calls. Um, and of course, now in my work, what I do um, is I lead a business development team um, um, that has a business development for Movement Labs, which is a peer-to-peer -peer testing con uh, consulting firm. Um, and what we do is we focus on building and reaching hard-to-reach communities um, via SMS, via texting. And so I've done a lot of work in, again, democracy reform and broadly civic education and, and engagement. Um, and I'm looking forward to doing more in 2022. No, that, that all sounds great. It sounds like a good plan, <laughs> to <laughs> say you. the least. Um, and, and I guess now, now you're in elected office uh, yeah. in the city of Pinole. I guess talk talk a little bit about that experience running for office in 2020. Why yeah. pursue you know an elected office at any time? You were also, yeah. I believe, a first time candidate when you ran uh, for for city council. So uh, you know, it, it, I guess talk about that that experience a little bit. Yeah, so I'm the mayor pro tem of Pinole, of the city of Pinole, as I mentioned, and in 2020. Uh, I guess 2019 is when I decided to run and my election was in November of 2020. Um, but I was elected in, in the city of Pinole um, as the candidate who actually received the highest amount of votes in our city's 100 year plus history. And so I'm really, really proud of that because um, I ran on a, on a few items. But, you know, one of the things I always say, it wasn't my first time running for office. You know, I helped people run for office really as a campaign manager and a comms director. But I also ran for office at, at, in student government myself. Um, and, you know, I always around to people that I actually represented a lot more people as student body president of UCLA than I represent people in Pinole. Really? Um, what was the difference? Uh, about 8,000. So UCLA has 28,000 undergraduate students, uh -huh. uh, which I was the student body president. Wow, that's pretty, in, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. You see, at, at, here in Pinole, we have about 20,000 residents. Okay. So it's actually a smaller community, but I say that to say all of those experiences obviously really um, you know, brought me in, right, to thinking that I was, it was possible to run for office. And I say that because I think representation is so important. And that's how we kind of get confidence, especially in electoral politics to run. When we see someone who looks like us, when we see someone who aligns with our values, when we see someone who goes to our door, um, we are more than likely to get involved because we see our similarities and we see what's possible in that. And so running for office for the first time in municipal government, but not the first time in my life, right. I was able to remind a lot of people in my community that no, I may, I may even still look different from you, but our values align. One of the biggest thing I ran on was the importance of the environment, right? The green, I called it the Green New Deal for Pinole, which right. was running on this kind of platform to say at the local level, we may hear this conversation at the national and the national landscape, but at the local level is where it matters, right? When we talk about infrastructure, when we talk about social services and a safety net, when we talk about business development and economic growth, those aspects are happening right here in your community, in our community. 
And so running for office, I really told people, hey, let's build this Green New Deal and here's how it looks, right? It looks like making sure, you know, we're net zero in our public buildings. It looks like we're investing in solar on all our public buildings, right? It looks like we are, you know, thinking about, you know, funding mechanisms like a municipal bank to engage our local residents in funding and weatherizing their homes, right? It looks like activating recycled water, right? As an opportunity to combat drought. Um, and those type of ideas were something that I would walk around you panel and talk about. Um, it looks like our roads being redeveloped, but not constantly being in this, you know, deferred maintenance, right? Thinking about how do we really develop our cities to be sustainable with not just roads, but also housing. And so talking about these type of issues really brought me into engaging seniors, really, predominantly seniors in our community that said, wow, this 28-year-old is so excited about representing me in Pinole, but he also has some ideas that talk about sustainability and the environment and economic development in our bottom line, right? So running for office for me was so important, because, again, in local government, because it was the best way I felt like I could make an impact. I've worked for national organizations pretty much my uh, professional career. And yeah, so it, yeah. was, it was really important for me to bring that work and what I what I learned from that work back home and think about how to build the biggest local impact possible. And so that's really why I'm really proud to have run because not only did I win, but I'm, I'm now able to think about the aspects I've learned from working with those who, who have, um, you know, who've been incarcerated before and have, you know, uh, backgrounds, justice impacted folks. I, you know, I work with seniors who are trying to think about healthcare at a national and want to fight for healthcare at a national level. I've obviously worked for a number of people who are passionate about environmental justice. I now get to lead with those, with that perspective. Um, and next year in 2023, I'll be um, the mayor of the city. Wow. No, that's, that's a, that's definitely the path that I think, uh, like you said, uh, brings a direct impact to the community. I think mm -hmm. that's what local government can can sponsor. And and I think you've hit it on the dot. You work for these national organizations, right? Uh, which which is equally as impressive. But now mm -hmm. you've brought that that passion and that same perspective in the local sphere. So I think that I find that very valuable uh, for <laughs> community. Um, but I guess you have some exciting news for me to share <laughs> in this episode. Yeah. Uh, so, so I guess let let the audience know what you're planning on doing um, this of course. primary. Well, yes, you are getting what what they say breaking news. Yes, I get breaking news. <laughs> I am CNN now. <laughs> you Please are CNN. Listen, you have a great show, and you really have a great name to this show, right? The new I mean, the new voter project is. I mean, the new voting project is so critical right now because what we know is that there are attacks on our democracy at the national, at the state and local level. And in order to really combat those attacks, we're gonna to have to have people be behind a movement that says the right to the vote is something that each one of us has. We have to remember that in the United States, we actually don't have a right to, there's no one person, one vote. There's no right to a vote. There's no constitutional amendment. And so our fight right now is how to protect our inclusive and representative democracy. And the, before I tell you my announcement, the reason I'm saying this is because we are at a true impact of our nation to determine if we're going to make sure we're going to fight to make sure people who look like you and me are a part of this democracy forever, 
right? Um, and of course, that fight is a process. It's not a product that we just get and it's done. We're always going to be in that fight. But this is now more important than ever for us to get ahead of that fight and to combat it in the ways that we want. So I'm excited to announce to you today and really excited to talk to the community of your community members, but also of my community in Contra Costa County and let them know that, yes, my name is Devin T. Murphy, and I am so excited to run um, this year to um, run for county clerk recorder in Contra Costa County. Um, and like I said, I'm very excited to run for it because it is the chief elections officer in our county. And it's one of the most important roles, I think, in 2022 and certainly in 2024 and years beyond to ensure that we can be at the front lines of the attacks of democracy and really combat those attacks at the most important level, in my opinion, which is the local level. Wow. No, that's great. Something that I think I emphasize on the show, and I've had a, a variety of people tell me the same thing, uh, who work in elections, right? They've worked in elections departments. I had some folks from Georgia who were actually at the local elections department when Trump was, was firing them, right? So yeah. I've come to understand that that position of chief election officer at the local level, at the county level, is actually one of the most important to ensure, like you said, the security um, and, 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 and uh, safety of those votes when it comes to, you know, actors that may go against that, right? Folks Absolutely. that try to retain their majorities. So, so no, I, I, I support this decision. <laughs> If that means much. <laughs> Thank you so much. And I think, again, you know, it is a nonpartisan race. Right. And at that, this is an office that is going to represent, you know, the 1.1 million residents in Contra Costa County and growing. Um, the importance of this race is, you know, you know, I serve in several roles and, you know, I obviously you can look this up online. I'm a registered Democrat, but this role is really important for a couple of reasons. Right. As I mentioned before, it is the chief elections officer for the county. And when we think about the right to the ballot, all of the conversations we hear at the national level, inevitably they're happening at the county level. The decision upon whether a vote is counted or not is happening at the county level, right? And determining whether or not a signature is valid or not, whether or not an employee gets fired or not, because they're not, you know, because some counties are, you know, out there in the United States, some counties are out there, you know, creating some kind of like chaos around someone's simple ballot, right? And creating opportunities to disenfranchise seniors, people who are differently abled, black and brown people, people who uh, come from different languages and speak different languages. Like there are so many reasons why people are trying to suppress the vote. Um, and they're not real reasons, right? I mean, they're real reasons to those folks, but they're not reasons that um, are valid, frankly, in my opinion. And so running for Contra Costa County Clerk Recorder um, does get that, does center for my, in my vision, it's centers around increasing access to the ballot box and fighting back against any and all attacks on our voting rights. Of course, at the most local level, but ensuring that even at the state level, we're protecting and we have policies and we are really, right, like we are leading in Contra Costa, making sure that we are leading in, in, in terms of making sure other counties, other states, um, and really the nation um, is continuing to protect those most vulnerable, to to barriers blocking them from the right to vote. 
Um, but also there's a couple other things, right? I mean, when we talk about community engagement and government, this office is a critical office in the navigation of local government, right? And Contra Costa County residents, as all residents, right, in different counties do, they deserve to know what's happening in their local and county government, um, but also have access to the avenues and the platforms for them to understand what's going on, right? And so that that is like, this is the transparency office, if, if you will. When we talk about values of transparency in community engagement, the, the clerk recorder in Contra Costa County has an, uh, numerous roles in ensuring that public documents are readily available. And that's what my role will be, is to ensure that all public documents are readily available on the county's website, making sure they're easily accessible, right? Because accessibility, as much as transparency, is also a value of mine. Um, but lastly, it's about transformative civic education, which is why I'm so excited to announce this here on your um, podcast, because we really do need to educate our neighbors, especially our young people, where they're at, right? And I think what we society, I mean, we're in, we're, we're in that impact, right, in society too, this conversation about critical race theory and what's history and how does that define who we are now? Well, these pieces of civic engagement, in my opinion, are really critical to building both the next pipeline and the next generation of leadership, but also ensuring that we get to the root causes of so many of the issues that we talk about, right, nationwide. Healthcare, criminal justice reform, the environment, infrastructure even, right? When we know history, we know ourselves more. And so part of my platform is really bringing about that transformative civic education in our county to ensure that people can both organize and, and mobilize around their own issues, but also to engage people about the issues that impact them the most and make sure they are connected to their local government so that they can both participate and also that their local government can be responsive to their issues as well. Yeah. And, and I guess I, I want to follow up on that and ask, as somebody who's going into, you know, aspiring to be an elections officer yeah. and maintaining that 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 ballot, um, what are some lessons you could draw from the 2020 election? What are things that you you noticed as it was, of course, a very controversial election, one senator, you know, a century pandemic. There were all, there were a ton of things that were going on in 2020. It's a hard year to explain, uh, yeah. but. It, in any case, what are what are the things that you're drawing from 2020 that you'd use to, to make your decisions as an elections officer? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, one of the reasons I'm running for this office as well is because I ended up running in a campaign locally where we had the pandemic, right? One of the first national, I mean, that was the first national campaign during the COVID-19 pandemic. And um, it presented a lot of challenges, right? Both for me as a candidate, of course, and reaching out to the community I was doing, but more importantly to the folks who were interested in learning about um, what was going on in elections who, you know, either feared, um, were taught to fear, or simply, you know, had reason to not engage in the moment because of so many things going on, whether it was because of, you know, the impact of COVID, the actual, you know, um, the actual issue of COVID itself, or whether it was they, like, folks just didn't have a safety net, right, to really spend time thinking about their local government. And so one of the, I mean, one of the things I felt was very, very telling was how many people did not, candidates, who did not do the due diligence of ensuring that someone who wanted to vote was reached out to even during the pandemic, right? I took a real big um, leap by, you know, 
putting on my mask, putting on gloves, still knocking doors, but staying very, you know, far more than six feet away and really still reaching out to folks to say, hey, I'm Devin Murphy. I'm a community leader. This is happening. This election is happening. Whether or not you know about it, I want to make sure to leave some, you know, some literature in your box. Feel free to pick it up. You can talk to me now. We can talk outside. You can also call me. One of the things I did, a lot of people were surprised about still to today, is on my campaign literature, I gave my cell phone number out to every single person in Pinal. Like, I literally just had on my literature my own cell phone number. Um, and the reason for that was because I knew that even though I was not an elected official yet, at the point where people were not conversing to the degree they even are today, right? Now we're kind of, seems like even though the numbers are in flux, a lot more people are being comfortable probably because they're vaccinated and boosted. Um, we did not have that that environment in, 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 you know, two years ago. And so I needed, I knew I needed to build an ecosystem in Pinole and in the county, but certainly in Pinole where folks felt comfortable reaching out to me, even as I was reaching out to them, but not reaching out to me at an event like they could do or meet me at, you know, a coffee place like they probably could have done. I had to make sure it was a real one-to-one connection. And that's why I bring that into the, that's why I'm bringing that perspective in the county clerk's office. This is the first year in the history of Contra Costa's history that we are having a contested race for county clerk recorder. Wow. This is the first year in, in our the history county, of the history of the county that we are having a contested race for clerk recorder. Yikes. <laughs> now, I'm just going to leave it. I'm going to leave it right here. But imagine imagine what that means when your elections officer is not a contested officer, but they're but they're managing elections. You see that? <laughs> like, yeah, that like, that's I'll, a little bit ironic. Right, I'll leave that. I'll leave that for some thought. But what I will say to that is, the most important thing I can think about right now with our county clerk's office that's missing the mark is the importance and the urgency of that office in this year's election, but also in following year's election, right? We've got to make sure that when we think about our local impact, that we are not narrow-minded enough to only think that that impact is local, right? So to unpack that a little bit more, when we do something at our home base, just because we do it at home doesn't mean that people across this nation don't see it mm-hmm. or can't see it or don't, don't need to see it. And so the opportunity right now presents itself, right, especially as a country who still can't pass a bill on voting rights. Right, right? at the federal level. (laughs) At the federal level, right? Um, And some, even at the state level, bills are still not being passed because there is still an influx of people who are still not fighting, right, for the right to vote. One person, one vote. And for me, I think that lessons learned from 2020 remind me that these roles are really, really, especially clerk recorder, these roles are really, really critical to building a movement amongst many issues. The right to vote is actually an environmental issue. It's a reproductive justice issue. It's a criminal justice reform issue, right? It's an infrastructure issue, right? I mean, it is so critical to ensure that we have the right to vote in this country for so many groups, especially those who are not ingrained in the moment. Right. We talk about a lot about the registered voters. There's a lot more people in this country who are actually not registered to vote. They're not they're not involved in the political system. But those people are in this country paying taxes, making sure they're engaged, 
um, excuse me, make it going to work and, and, uh, you know, maybe not engage in the political system by vote, but they're certainly engaged in the decision-making of our life. But it's important to, to bring those people in as well, because those people are part of our social, our culture. I mean, frankly, right. Our culture in terms of where we go. And so we have these, we have a bunch of folks talking about people who are registered to vote and whether they vote Democratic or Republican, but we don't have a lot of people talking about those who are not voting, those who are not involved in the system and pulling them in. And of course, I would have to say this, Manal, like just because I would be remiss if I didn't, but you know, I of course did work to support Stacey Abrams, who is, you know, ran for Georgia governor in 2018. And she has certainly inspired my decision, right? Um, you know, she has a book called Minority Leader about, you know, what, you know, her role and when she was minority leader of the Georgia State Legislature, um, she talks about her role as like what that meant for her. And particularly, sorry, I told you I have a little puppy in the background. <laughs> All good. Um, All good. Particularly one of the pieces of her book that talked about that I really loved and I'm obliged by is she talks a little bit about being other, being other, right? And what that meant for her, right? A lot of the times, especially growing up, I don't know if this was true for you, it was not good to be other. It was be in line. Everybody needs to be the same. I don't know if you went to schools with uniforms, but that was the con, right? Everybody wears the same uniform. Um, everybody has the same pencil. Everybody has the, you know, and I think, you know, to give credit to where it could be due, I think some of those policies were to create a culture where no one, no one felt other and below because we have a history of that in our country, right? Where when you are other, whatever that means to people, you are usually below, you are, in the, you are inferior, right? Um, and we, I don't need to go too much into that. That's our history in this country, but moving the Stacy's perspective from my interpretation was being other and different is actually an opportunity to catalyze. It's, it's, it's in fact what we wanna be. Like embracing our otherness is actually a part of both being American, quote unquote, right? Of, of, of being a part of this country, right? But also being different is actually what catalyzes us into opportunities and to bring people into those opportunities. Because when you are different, there's likely more than likely someone else who's different. And erasing their difference is actually what has harmed us in the past a little bit. Embracing those differences and acknowledging those as different, um, but also living in that truth is actually an opportunity for us to grow and build. And so I say that as somebody who really prides himself, especially after reading that, on being different. Like I'm the youngest, per, you know, I'm 28 years old. I'm in Pinole. Like my friends, they live in San Francisco and Oakland. And I tell them to come to Pinole. Like I'm like, come to Pinole, hang out with me. They're like, mm, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah. come to I, can, I think I give you the same answer. <laughs> But come to Pano, I'll, I'll treat you to a good time. And then they have a good time here. And they're like, oh, I see why you love it here. Right. Um, you know, growing up, I wasn't I wasn't out. And I came out at like 20, 21 years old. And that like took a, to a toll on me that I didn't know until I came out to say I was holding something in. Right. And I was holding it in because I wanted to be similar to everybody else. My guy friends who were straight and they were just like, oh, I want to, you know, they did this. I did this. I didn't want to be different. 
But in so much of that wanting to be similar and the same to people, I began to not be myself. And I also feel like I withheld a lot of who, what was possible in my own life and was my own creativity, my own ability to connect to new people, right? Like, you know, I didn't want to connect to people who I thought were like me, you know, at that time, like me being LGBT identified because who I thought were or perceived to be because I didn't want to be associated, right? So my otherness for a long time, because I think society puts that box around us, was withheld and like not fostered. But I, especially like I said, after reading that book by Stacey Abrams and just seeing her work really in her work in action, I found that it was, I found that I have now transformed to think that otherness and seeing people's differences is our immediate opportunity for growth for scaling, for thinking big picture, and for acknowledging that, yeah, we're, we're all, we all may look the same, but we're all very different, and that's okay. And if we are different, and if those of us who are different can be in elected office, and going back to what I started off with about representation, when you see somebody who looks different in elected office, right, when you think about the Senate being what, I think 90% of those folks are 60 years old, but you see a senator who looks 25, you see a senator 25, guess what we're going to start thinking? I can be that person. I can be them, right? When we see Congress, right? And we see people like AOC or we see people like Ayanna Presley or we see people like um, even Kate, I mean, even Katie Porter, right? Like people who are so different to what Congress has traditionally looked like, we start bringing in our ideas, So I say that to say, when I think about all the people who are not voting, yes, the people who are voting are important, don't get me wrong, but all the people who are not voting in this country, there is something to be said about those people not voting, and it's likely because they don't see people like them who are voting. There's something missing there. They may, we may see us all as the same. Oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm 28 years old. They're 28. They should vote. Well, maybe they don't see it that way. Maybe that's not their lens. Maybe they see us as so, as, as maybe they don't see the opportunity in front of them to say, I want to be a part of the system because I want to be different in the system and I don't want to be the same as those folks in it. So I'm running for county clerk because I believe that this is a huge opportunity at home in my own community where I can make a difference in the lives of so many people who are not a part of this political system who do not know how to navigate their local government, who do not understand what it takes to run an elections department, but want to understand it. I wanna share that information out. We have not had a contested race to do that. I'm excited to, for the next few months, I'm excited to make sure that contested race is possible and that I win that race. And that not only do I win that race on June 7th, that I make sure that next four years as county clerk recorder, I'm doing everything in my power to build the rapport of the office with the communities that it represents. That's pretty well said. <laughs> no, no, that, that all sounds like a plan. I, I do, I think I, I do um, identify with the, the concept of other. Um, <laughs> I think it makes a lot of sense. I think we need more other than we need sameness. So, you know, from my perspective, I think that's that's well founded. Uh, I guess I, you know, you you've highlighted a lot of things that you that you'd like to do for the county. The fact that this is a first contested race in the history of the county. I mean, 
I think it's time for a change um, and, and not just, I'm sure, what is a political expediency at its best. Um, you know, I like to ask, what is, what is your advice to, to, to this next generation that you are wanting to represent? You obviously are, you're, you're Gen Z, Gen uh, I am a millennial. I realize that people uh, think I'm Gen Z and people, yeah. I, 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 listen, I always think we're one bucket, but listen, that's already part of the problem. So when Gen Zers are like, no, I'm not a millennial, I'm a Gen Z, I'm like, perfect. Let me know what that means. Let me know how to improve, right. you know? Right. I say that to say one of the things I'm starting, well, I started uh, last year was this kind of caucus. It's an informal caucus of um, basically millennial and Gen Zers who are elected officials across the state. So we now have like a Facebook messenger group and I started it as like millennial caucus of the California League of Cities, which is a group that most- Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Part of, um, at the local level. And one person was like, I'm not a millennial, Devin. Can we add Gen Z? I'm like, perfect. Let's talk about what those different issues are. Let's talk about the alignment, of course, but let's also acknowledge for what they are, what the different issues are. It's okay, right? Like that, that goes back to my statement about otherness, right? Like otherness is not an opportunity to disenfranchise someone. Otherness is an opportunity to coalesce groups together and figure out alignment in their differences. So when that happened, I was just like, no worries. I'm a millennial. I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. But, you know, I, I want to know what that difference is. You know, I want to embrace that difference of like what the Gen Zers are looking at millennials like. That's not what we should do, you know, because I think that's the that's the differences between boomers and millennials. Right. Like we have not really reached that point where we've had those multi-generational multi-generational conversations and impact yeah no i definitely agree the the question i was going for is regardless of what you are a millennial gen z who <laughs> i barely knows what those, what those things mean um what i they could be literally a separate podcast like gen z millennial whatever you want to call it yeah. um what is your advice to the graduating class of voters the the, the folks that want to impact their elections their voting uh, their voting rights, um, or if not, education policy, or reaching exhausted, alienated, um, you know, uh, vulnerable uh, populations. I mean, what is what is the plan? What is what do you recommend? Yeah, my first, you know, my first thing I have to say, um, because I would be remiss, this is who I am as a person, is to continue to ask questions. Like continue to ask questions. It's the first step of what probably like the critical thinking, design thinking analysis, right? We've got to ask questions. Like we are, we are having so much information presented to us, inundating us, given to us, um, thrown at us by YouTube, social media, whatever it is. We have so much information coming at us that I think I know for me, I sometimes get stuck in too much information almost like it's almost like I get frozen like it's great information don't get me wrong but I now stop some time I have to check myself to say Devin what are you what are you trying to learn here but also what questions do you have about all information that's coming to you and I think that is a huge part of civic engagement and in education is to ask questions and to feel comfortable asking questions um you know this notion that we have to give room for like only smart questions or whatever that means is ridiculous in my opinion, right? Because um, no one knows something until they can, they have probably the courage to find it out. And so asking questions is something I would definitely like encourage new voters to come and, and do. Um, you know, that may be, that question also may need to be asked multiple times to multiple people. So when we ask questions, 
don't just ask a question and ask one question and don't ask that question again to someone else or maybe even the same person, right? I could ask you, like I can, you can ask me today what's my favorite food, but if you asked me three years ago what my favorite food was, I wasn't vegan at that time. So my question- I'm vegan, yeah. And so the answer to my question today, that an- the answer to your question around what my favorite food is today was far different than three years ago, right? Like I used to love macaroni and cheese. I don't know if I can have that much cheese in my system anymore. Like I just can't. <laughs> so my point is ask questions, ask them several times, ask them in different ways, feel the courage to ask those questions. Even when people feel both indifferent, like you shouldn't be asking, Asking questions is a critical part of our civic process. That's first one. Number two is observe what the problems are. Observe the problems. Like observation is a critical part of the scientific method, right? And if we if we understand the scientific method as addressing issues and, and thinking about how to transfer something that's a problem into a solution, then observation is a huge part. You've got to understand the problem. This comes a lot with racism, right? Because we, with issues of racism, I would say, right? Because we oftentimes don't center what the problems are and who's being impacted by those problems. We just say like, racism is like, you know, um, oftentimes people say racism is, you know, black people's issue. Well, it's actually not just black people's issue, it is white people's issue, right? Because white racism, particularly like people who are, being racist who happen to be white individuals are actually hurting themselves. They're taking opportunities from them of building connections with people, opportunities of sometimes economic growth, right, for their own families and communities. Um, Especially knowing the history of this country, Black people's creativity has pretty much made this country. So when you are being racist to a Black person, for example, I'm just giving this as an example, and you're a white person, that, 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 lack of understanding of these these issues of how Black people have dealt with this for years in this country, decades, centuries, um, that lack of observation is actually rooted in your own lack of growth too. So observing, asking questions, but also observing the real roots of problems is really critical. Um, You know, of course, I have to say this, my last point on this question is um, sometimes you do have to tap in. Like you frustrated with the game, you see, you, you see someone, you don't like how Steph Curry is going, sometimes you have to tap in, right? Like you have to tap in. And by tapping in, that means that you have to be a part of that system. And that's not for everybody, right? Not everybody's going to say yes to that, right? I gave you three different pillars. So if you're listening to this right now, I gave you three different things to do. Hopefully you can at least do two. You got three options. Right. You got three options. Hopefully you can do at least two. All right. Yeah. Um, it's like the life little, it's like the little life triangle, right? Like social work, and yeah, and and <laughs> best option here is to, regardless of anything, just vote. And well, that was my last. I mean, well, in again, Kunal, like that was my last point was to to tap in, to register to vote, and to vote. I know that that takes a lot for people, but what I will say to those listening who are like Devin, I love what you said for the first thirty minutes of this podcast, but now I'm not with you. When you tap in to play the game. When you tap into, if, you, if this is basketball or football or voting or whatever, you are now putting yourself in a position and others in a position where they have to be responsive, right? They have to be responsive. Whether they like you or dislike you, they have to be responsive because you're now in, you've now decided to opt in, right? 
So many people are ignored today simply because they're not opting in. And it does take those of us who observe, right? Like I'm observing, like people, for example, with disenfranchised backgrounds, right? People who have been just as impacted, who have been incarcerated. I observe that those folks come back into society and sometimes don't register to vote for many reasons, but I observe it. I observe it because I have family members who have those experiences. And so for me, it's really important to tap in because it's like, now I'm involved in this game. And if you are going to ignore me and ignore the people who I believe in, who should be a part of this political system, we've got a problem. I'm going to continue to fight you. I'm going to make sure these people are protected, that they that the barriers that they have to participate are removed. Um, I'm not saying I'm always going to win. Sometimes you win the battle or sometimes you don't win the battle and win the war, right? But the point is here that we have to tap in so that we understand, especially the future, right? We are the future. We are now, but we are the future. We're going to, we're in this long game for a long time. If we want to win, if we believe that we can win, we've got to tap into the game. That's how we win is by making sure that we tap in and also bring people into the game, teach them how to be a part of it, teach them how to be involved, teach them how to, you know, do issue advocacy, teach them how to ask questions, teach them how to observe, right? These are all critical parts. So I would say, ask questions, observe what's happening and don't forget to tap in, like tap in, tap in. And again, all of these things are not one time. They're not like, oh, I voted one time. I'm good. Everything's good. I'll be good. Or, oh, I registered to vote one time, right? Because if you move addresses, you have to register again. This is not a, this is not a done game. It's not a product, right? Like this is liberation, which is what I'm talking about, really. This is a process. This is a lifestyle. And it's important to tap into that lifestyle and be a part of it. Yeah, no, I, I have to agree. Um, and, and especially at least, you know, find that, that place to vote, you know, find opportunities uh, to get involved um, and, and reach out to, to elected officials, Devin Murphy. I mean, I'm going to put his number in the <laughs> yeah. description, reach out, get in, you know, get engaged, get to understanding the conversation. Um, and, and that'll be your first step. Uh, yeah. but no, no, thank you. Thank you so much for, for, for that, for the, for the advice and, and for your willingness to share the good news. Uh, is there, uh, you know, I, I want to ask you to, to shout out your socials <laughs> you put in the description. People can follow you, stay updated yeah. on the campaign. Absolutely. Well, I'm at Devin T. Murphy on everything, basically. So if you look on social media, if you Google me, it's Devin T. Murphy. Um, my website is www.devintmurphy.com. Um, also, you can find me on at Murphy4CCC. Um, that's Murphy4, not the number, like spelled out F-O-R and it's CCC. Um, and like I said, like, well, like you said, engage with me. Like I, I, I also see conflict as an opportunity for engagement. So even if you're listening right now and you disagree with something I said, let's, let's, let's engage, let's dig into it. Right. Because I could be wrong. Right. I could be wrong or maybe I'm partially right, but I'm not fully right. Right. Which means I'm wrong. And so part of that engagement in that conflict is how we actually holistically address the issues we're talking about. Um, so again, follow me. Let's connect. Um, you can put my number out there. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, think about if you're listening to this and you're in Contra Costa, would love your vote. If you're listening to this and you're not in Contra Costa County, I want you to think about the clerk recorder race in your county. Who's running? Do you know? 
Have you talked to them? Have they engaged with you? This is the time now to ask those questions. This is the time now to observe. You're listening to this, so you're engaged in somewhat of a, of a civic process. And that doesn't mean you're voting. That means you're engaged in issue advocacy, listening to political po podcasts. You're, you care about your future and your now. And in my opinion, one of our most important elected officials in our counties right now is our clerk recorder. So if you're listening to this, I want to challenge you to go out there, find who's running for clerk recorder in your county. Uh, if you're in Contra Costa County, I would love for you to know me and, and the other candidates. Um, but if you're not in Contra Costa County, find out that information um, and go ask them the questions that matter to you about civic engagement. That would make me so, so happy. Yeah, well said. Well, well, thank you, like I said, for, for coming on the show, sharing the perspective and the insight. Uh, you know, always feel free to come back. You know, once you're once you're county clerk, always <laughs> come back, tell us what you're up to. Yeah, uh, no, I, I do sincerely wish you the best of luck. Absolutely. Who knows? This may be, I mean, if you're still going, that'd be great to circle back to you and talk about a little bit about what we're what we're doing if uh, once I'm elected in June. So again, the, the elections June 7th, um, ballots are coming out in May. Um, I'm going to be all across the county, across Contra Costa County, at least, um, to talk about this and, and this race. I look forward to engaging with folks as much as possible. Um, definitely want to encourage folks to reach out to me and visit my website online. You, like I said, you can just Google Devin T. Murphy. I'm sure you'll find me. Um, not that hard to find on Google, at least. But I will say um, my hope is that peace, like the, the vision of this podcast is absolutely in line with the visioning of where I'm building and what I feel like we need to build in our county. We've had so much change in Contra Costa County. We've had so much opportunities arise in terms of envisioning how it's possible to bring more people into to, um, our political process. And so my hope is that, again, as we build on this, as we bring more people in, as people are brought in who are simply different than the masses, different than what they see themselves. I hope they find their place in this movement um, because there is a place for everybody. Yeah, no, I agree. Go find that place and, <laughs> and help out, please, please do. But no, thank you so much, Devin. I do appreciate it. And thank you for having me. I'm super excited about this. And thank you so much for just the vision that you have with this podcast. It's wonderful. Appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Take care, stay safe, mask up uh, <laughs> for the time being. But no, wish you the best of luck in the campaign. Thank you.